Welcome back, everybody. Good morning. Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 31. That sultry voice you hear over there is the return of our long-lost host, Austin. He is back. I'm back. Back from the trenches of childbirth. <laughs> Actually, I guess his wife would be the one in the trenches. Yeah, she, yeah definitely. Yeah. She was. Yeah. He was, you were moral support. Moral support. Yeah. I mean, fourth child. Oh, you got ev- the number right. I did. I, I figured I'd be serious for a second. <laughs> um, happy, healthy. She is great. We had a little girl. Her yeah. name is Honor Alethea Loop. Love it. I love it. Uh, seven pounds, 15 ounces, 19 and a half inches long. You know. ah, all, the, all the numbers, all the, the numbers that the ladies like yeah. to have. Yeah. She's healthy. Yeah. 10 fingers, 10 toes. Awesome. Yeah. We're, See, we're two fingers? Two fingers. Just two. 23 toes. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Gave birth to a mutant. <laughs> no. <Stop> it. <laughs> well, we're very excited to have you back. Um, we had a couple guests come in and fill your shoes and... Let's just say you're not in danger of getting fired. Oh, no, I'm wow. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say I listened to them. They weren't. They weren't terrible, man. Oh man, no. Uh, Sorry, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> and really, that's directed at Simon, not Stephen. Just because we want to give Simon grief. Yeah. It's so that's fine. fine. He can but, take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's used to the firing squad. Anyway, so. Anyway, this week, <laughs> no, transition. Um, so this week, we're going to get back into Romans. We had talked um, about, you know, wanting to kind of get back to what we had started doing previously and, and jive back into Romans and get back into more of a theological discussion. I think we'll get our format kind of back to where it used to be, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, and kind of start getting back into the groove, get back to the swing of things, and, and maybe even uh, start to grow this thing, get our numbers back and yeah. beyond. So. I think last week's episode was very well received. So, honestly, though, Stephen and Simon, if you guys are listening, thank you guys for filling in for a couple weeks. It was a lot of fun. Actually, last night, I had a conversation with uh, one of our friends that listened to our music podcast that Stephen was on, and it was pretty cool just to kind of hear his feedback and his thoughts, and it spurred some good conversations Mm. about uh, the state of Christian music. And In fact, his, his takeaway or his conclusion was, yeah, I don't really care if Christian music comes back. I don't. I just don't like it. I'm like, that's not the point, dude. Like the whole time listening to it, I'm over here just like, I have so many things to say. Yeah. Oh, and I wanted to jump in so bad. Well, I I do think I, I <laughs> we I mentioned this in that show yeah. in that episode. We I'd like to do a deeper dive into that and into lyrics and into songs and and so on and so forth. But uh, one thing I do want to say, he brought to my attention it was Isaac. He brought to my attention last night that. We missed an artist that is doing that kind of raw, real Christianity, real life experience lyrically and, and musically, and that's NF. We we missed that. I don't know if you all are familiar with NF. So he's a, he's a rap, Christian rapper, but he has. Well, no, he's a rapper that's a Christian. Okay, rapper that's a Christian. You were really quiet. I told you that. <laughs> Did you? No, I said I was too loud, and then you turned me too much down. Okay, What's said forget you. <laughs> So yeah, he's he's a rapper. He's a he's a Christian, um, and his lyrics are that raw kind of struggle and and real, not just cookie cutter. You know, I'm out in the desert, mm-hmm. and the rain is falling. You know, not at the same time. What song is that? I, all of them. That literally all of them. I'm out in the desert, and the rain is falling. Well, really, really, like <laughs> the the trifecta of Christian music is 
brotherhood, sisterhood, rivers, and trees, <laughs> and you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. As long as you have that, you're fine. Yeah, you got yeah. a good Christian song. What's the in that video that we talked about? More water references. Yeah, you know, it's that's, true. That's what you need to yep. make a solid song. So, but he said that, and I'm like, oh man, how did I forget about NF? Because yeah. he is doing basically what we asked, what we were asking artists to do. Yeah. Be original, be real, be raw. Well, the thing is, the real issue is the 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 radio. Yeah. And people who who set up these the same ten songs every day on repeat, and then we we never hear NF, we never hear Kanye West, we never hear any of these up and coming people that are right. actually speaking truth. So it's like, well, well, that makes sense. I wonder. I wonder if there's a world where in, where Kanye. Is on Christian radio at any point? <laughs> That's a good question. It'd be really interesting. And no, I have not listened to well, uh, his new his new album yet. I've listened to a few of them. Have you? Is it is it good? They're pretty decent. I really need to get on that. Maybe on my drive. Never to been a Kanye today, West fan in my life. Yeah, but when he dropped his first album, I went and listened to it all, and it was it was pretty. Good. Maybe I'll make Pete listen to Kanye on the way to Lexington today. Yeah. <laughs> you do it. I think I like that. <laughs> I think you will. <laughs> Just turn up real loud. So anyway, anyway. Good little discussion to open this up, but uh, let's dive into Romans 5. I'm excited to get back into Scripture. Mm. and th- Rooted in Logos? Rooted in Logos, yeah. Let's do it. How about it? So, Carter, get us started. Good transition. <laughs> Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace through with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we also have obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass... Death reigned through the one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life of that one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came into in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that 
as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Very uh, encouraging. I, I love that one. Yeah. I love it. Such an encouraging chapter. And, and it hits so many topics. You know, it, it talks about suffering. It talks about original sin, that, that concept that we as Christians have of original sin that, you know, because of Adam, we're all born into it. And because of Adam, we've lost that relationship with God. Yeah. Apart from Christ. And, and let's just start back at the top and, and yeah. break it down. Go through it. Well, I had stuff about the at verse three. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. I don't know if you remember, like a few months back, I posted on Facebook this picture. It was like what people think now is enjoy now, suffer later, but it should be for us Christians suffer now, enjoy later, mm-hmm. which kind of sparked like a controversy between the comments because someone that I'm friends with, he was like, "You need to." meet the real God. He doesn't want us to suffer. And it was like, he said, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible we will suffer. Hmm. And I was like, that, that's sad. Which Bible are you reading? That? I would say there. Because yeah. Yeah. I immediately think of James when I read mm-hmm. Romans 5, 3. You immediately go to James 1. Yep. And of course, or Jesus himself, in this world, you will have troubles. You will suffer for my namesake. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is there. And, and well, even going back to verse 1, so... Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have peace with God through Jesus. We were at war. We were enemies with God, as we see later on in the ver- in the, the chapter, where we were an enemy of the God of the universe. Now we have peace because of his son. And then verse two, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So now that we are no longer enemies with God through Jesus, because of Jesus, we have been given access to God by our faith in Jesus, to which our once enemy, by no means of our own, gives us grace. So it's just this Again, free the free gift of grace of, that God has given us. There is no reason why we should have it at all. We don't deserve it whatsoever. Why would you go up to an enemy that hasn't even come up to you wanting peace and tried to have peace with them? Right. It doesn't well, make and, sense. <laughs> and, and you alluded to it. We were at war with God. Yeah. God was at war with humanity because of sin. And through Christ, that peace is now possible yeah. between, you know, I talked about this last week with, or we talked about this last week with Simon, God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. Mm-hmm. And so when there's sin in the mix and, and we are separated from God because of sin, there's chaos, chaos in our lives, chaos in the world around us, inner chaos, not inner peace. And when we deal with that, and when we allow God to deal with that, that peace comes about and that God of peace and that God of order comes in and, and allows us to have that peace and have that comfort in the midst of the chaos around us. Because yeah. again, around us is still chaotic. But oh, for yeah. us, that vertical peace between us and God is is there because of Christ. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, let's break into verses three through five, because this is, this is a pretty good one, especially... I'm not a fan of these as much. Not a fan. <laughs> but, it, and, and that's the thing, it's encouraging, but then also, once you understand and you know yeah. exactly what this means... It sucks. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Verse three through five. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, rejoice in suffering. Why in the world would we do that? Well, 
diving in a little bit to meanings, okay? So suffering, also meaning tribulations. It is pressure. Suffering and tribulation, it means pressure. What constricts or rubs together a narrowing place that hems someone in, confined, restricted, without options. So that should completely tell you what suffering is going to include for all of us. Because again, Christ says we we will suffer for his name. If we believe in him and we are living our life for him, we are going to suffer. Now, again, looking at this process, and again, it's a process. We have to go through it. Why? It's a lot like the forging of a sword. If anyone's watched uh, videos of people forging swords, there there's several popular popular TV shows, Forged in Fire, Forged in whatever, Forged this, Forged that. You watch it. Watch one of them, at least an episode, and look at what it takes to make a sword fightable, to be able to go to war with a sword. And so going through that process- It's a violent process. It's a violent process. Yeah. So the suffering part, going into the endurance or perseverance, in the Greek it is uh, homopony. It is patiently waiting, patient waiting or steadfastness. The next is character, which the Greek is dokami, the process and the result of trial, proving and tried. And then leading into, like making a sword, what you must do to make and test, all of this leads to hope. Hope is expectation, or the Greek elpis. It's the expectation of what is sure or certain. So as you are making the sword, you have to go through this process to make it trustworthy, to make to have the hope that you can take it into battle and fight with it and not have it break. So you have to temper it. You have to season it. You have to get it strong enough to withstand this. And watching a lot of these shows, they'll they'll do cra- crazy stuff with it to make sure it's worthy. Yeah. They hit it against logs. They they cut through uh, carcasses of boars. They do a whole bunch of stuff I've seen where people run over them with cars and stuff like that. And it's to make sure this thing is going to uphold so that if you have to run into a battle and hit guys in armor and swords, you know it's not going to chip. You know it's not going to bend. Because what would be the point of a sword that does that, right? Right. Well, and, you know, I was looking at, I was reading some of the commentaries and stuff, kind of getting in, into this. And we, we say this almost every time we discuss suffering, but we know the ultimate outcome. And we know that the suffering on this earth is temporary. You know, for the believer... Earth is as close to hell as we'll ever get. And so all the things that happen to us or or that are either caused by us or caused by others or just, you know, uh, you know, just just because of sin that's in the world, that that's temporary. That's the worst it's going to get for us. And, and and so after we die, we're with Christ. And so you look at uh 2 Timothy 2 verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Yeah. And so when we are tested and put through the fires and and beat with the hammer and and Run over by the car, or, or taken through a boar's carcass, or pushed down the stairs by Brad. <laughs> pushed down the stairs. Yeah, we haven't had that reference in a while. <laughs> and we endure that, and we stay faithful, and we we lean on Christ, we lean on the Holy Spirit. We're going to reign with Him in the end. Yeah, and and we'll look back, and we'll be like, "Man, it was all worth it." Oh, dude, definitely it was all worth it. All the nonsense we dealt with was worth it. Doesn't feel like that at the moment. Well, and or in the moment, it doesn't feel like it. But that's the thing. As as Christians, it's like we know this. We yeah, know it doesn't this. Doesn't make it easy. <laughs> and, and we, I mean, we still don't want to go through it. 
and that that's the hard part. It's like, how do you practically put it, put this into play? Because you're in the middle of it, you're suffering. Your mind is on the suffering. Your mind is on what you're going through, and it's hard to take that step back and look at the suffering I'm going through is going to produce endurance for what is to come. And then through that endurance comes the character that builds from it. And really, so Emily and I, we were looking at character a lot through this, not, not so much the other ones because we're like, all right, how does, how does it produce character as in, okay, character is that mentality of, well, it's who you, who you are. It's, it's what like defines you, your character when no one else is watching that, What's that word? Um, integrity. Integrity. Yeah, but your character is what it, what you actually are, not how you're acting, but who you really are. And it's that part of you that has been proved. You've been tried. You have been proven. And not that we're worthy. We're because we're not. We're not worthy of anything. We're worthy of death. Mm-hmm. But we we are worthy because of the blood of Christ. So now that we've been tried, we've been proven. It leads to that that hope. We now have hope, and it's not the, well, I hope that I'll get there. I hope that this will happen. It's, no, I have hope that I know for certain, because the expectation of what is sure or certain, that this will happen. And because it's great, because it leads into, so, so after your sword has been proved or tested, then you have the hope in certain that the sword will be ready for battle. So Paul alludes to this a lot throughout his letters. Second Corinthians four verse seventeen, he says, "For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison." Yeah. So he, th- this theme is interwoven throughout all of Paul's text of this. Yeah, stuff here is going to get tough. I mean, Paul is a perfect example of stuff getting tough and stuff being difficult. I mean, the thorn in his side that we don't really know what it was. Never really explained. We have him in prison constantly. People trying to kill him constantly. He's always on the run. Yeah. But it's all worth it for him. Yeah. Because he knows his outcome and he knows where he's going to be when it's all said and done. And his reward is going to be beyond compare. Oh, yeah. Well, and Paul, more than really anybody I know, Christian-wise, dude, he went through this process so many times. Yeah. Over and over and over again. And I, and again, going back to that steel, he's, he was tempered so many times. That that hope, the hope that Paul had, that was real. That was the assurance of what was to come. And so it leads into verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So once your hope has been established, then the hope that has been proofed through suffering, endurance, and character is and should be in God. And because it has been proved, it will not be put to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That should give us hope. Yeah. I mean, uh, I play on words, hope, but if you have ever been through this, this process and you are still, your faith is still in God, that that is the hope. Yeah. So I, I like this sentence here, this little paragraph in this commentary. It says, Hopelessness is a condition no one seeks, and some do not survive. At the very least, it can leave a life awash in despair. But faith in Christ initiates a cycle, and the cycle is initial hope, sufferings, endurance, proven character, enhanced hope, that continually challenges us and refreshes our sense of future promise. This gives us motivation for daily faithfulness and the hard work of service for God and others. And so that's what we have. I mean, we we have that initial hope. 
We're not disappointed by that hope. We're not condemned by God. So we endure the trial. We endure, endure the suffering. It builds our character, which a more simplistic answer of, uh, or definition of character is our actions, our thoughts, our heart line up with God and His will. And that, that, that's the character that God wants, is, is for us to align with His will and His commands and His, you know, His plan yeah. for our lives. And as our character builds, our hope is enhanced because we then see on the back end of the suffering, hey, I survived that because of God. Yep. I got through that because of Him. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not despairing. I'm not, you know, I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm not spiritually dead. He's still there. He's still around. I survived. Yeah. And that makes the hope even stronger and your faith even stronger that for therefore when the next one comes you're even you're even tougher like yep. you're even more more ready and that's the point yeah that's the point and and leading into the armor it's he's given us this armor but now we're proving it not that <laughs> holy armor needs proved but we are proving ourselves to be worthy of this armor if that makes sense so we're we're putting it on we're supposed to keep it on and it's it's going to do what it has been designed to do by God, but it is up to us if we're going to keep it on or not. So, so leading in the verse, basically, so verse six through eight, I, I kind of took that as a whole as well. For sure. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, again, look for verse eight. At the right time, Christ died, and, and again, the, there's no way I. You can, verse six. Yeah, but that's okay. Just for the reader or what, listeners. What did I say? You said verse eight, but it's okay. Oh my bad. It's okay. It's not okay. Get it together. It's not okay. Sorry. No. My bad. So just for the reader, he's the reader. That's I meant. I meant listeners. Listeners. I messed up too. Okay. And I corrected you. <laughs> That that thought of you know at the right time. Well, why was it the right time? I have no idea. Yeah, we have no idea. There's there's no way we can answer that. That that is a God planned timed thing because it was the right time. The whole Old Testament, the thousands of years that took place from Adam up to Jesus, and then Jesus afterwards. It that was the perfect time. So I I don't know. So Romans five eight gets a lot of attention in the Christian world. Because it is, it's the gospel in one verse, yep. right? It, it, but I think Romans 5, 7 is a very underrated underrated one. Yes. Because it actually is, you know, one whole sentence. Uh, verse 8 is just like cutting that sentence in half. Yeah. So the first part of that sentence, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare die. One would dare even to die. So basically, the, Paul's talking about how like it, it's really rare for anybody to willingly die for somebody else. Yeah. Even good people, even people who they love or people who deserve, who don't deserve to die for whatever earthly situation that, that's happening in that moment, it's really rare to find someone to die for somebody. Yeah. But God did it willingly for us. Yeah. And so. not and again, not just for a good person or a righteous person, because yeah. say, you know. While we were still sinners, still separate, still at war with God. Yes. Well, that, yeah. So military-wise, you go to... To war with these men, you've you've fought, you've bled, you've sweated with these guys through boot camp, through all these classes, and you take a bullet for this guy. I mean, that's your brother. Now, switch that role to, I'm going to go die for the enemy that I'm fighting. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. But go even further. God sent his son to die. As, as a parent, I can't even fathom that. I... 
I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, but I'm not God. <laughs> I would not send my son to go die for... For the enemy. My enemy, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, biblically, we're supposed to love our enemy, but looking at it from that war aspect, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. But again, I'm not God. Thank you, Lord, I'm not God. <laughs> because, yeah. Hey, I, but you know what? <laughs> if if we were Mormon, you could eventually be God. Uh, just, even, just food for thought. I don't even want to. I don't even want that. <laughs> God, you could keep that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, that, that blows my mind. Because, yeah, they're, again, Jesus says there no no one's good. No, not one. Because only God is good. Only Jesus is good. But your normal everyday life you're going through, I think Brad's a pretty good guy. Granted, biblically speaking, you deserve death. Of course. <laughs> but of course, yeah. But, I, you know, having these these guys in my life... Like Carter, like Brad, like so many others, great guys. I, mean, I trust them with my life. I trust them with my my kids' lives, my kids' souls. But it, it's like those aren't the ones that not not that you guys don't matter. But <laughs> he he died for the 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 truly the awful people. You know the the rapist, the the serial killers, the these guys that have committed atrocities. I mean, look at Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul committed genocide to the, with, with Christians, and he died for these people. He died for all of us, but he he died for these people, and it's just mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. It's not the sick who need, or it's not the well that need a doctor. It's the sick. Yeah, but he did. But we're all sick. We uh, yeah. Well, apart exactly. from Christ, we're all sick. We all have. We're all the Walking Dead inside. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Verse nine. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So, through Christ's blood, we have been justified and saved from the wrath of God. Basically, like the Israelites during the Passover. The the Passover lamb, they took the blood, put it on the door frame and the lintel, the post, and the angel of death passed over. The wrath of God went past the Israelites' house because of the blood. And that was us. Because of the blood of Jesus, the wrath of God will pass over. And we we will suffer the sting of death, as in our mortal bodies, but we will not suffer the sting of death for our eternal bodies. So yeah. that, that that's always cool. I love that. I think about the the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and how those who are not in Christ, those who are not believers, those who don't have, find salvation in Him, are dangling by a thread above the pits of hell, and that they are living under this coming judgment, this coming wrath that is inevitable, that is going to happen, and as Christians, we're saved from that. As believers, we are spared this coming wrath. So we don't have to worry about what happens after we die, because we know that we're going to get our reward, and we know that we're going to get to see Christ face to face. And I say that not as someone who deserves that reward, but as someone who who gets that reward in the end. Yeah, because we don't deserve it whatsoever. But those who do not believe, those who are not believers in Christ, they are dangling by a thread. As I said, this is as close to hell as we get. This is as close to heaven as they get. You know, as good as it feels here for, you know, at certain times, that that's as good as it's going to be. So, Well, and there, there's a part, I, I can't find it, uh, is Paul talking about, you know, it is it's it is a terrifying place to be in the hands of a wrathful God. I'm trying to find it, but I can't find it. New Testament, but but that thought of it is it is a very scary place 
to be in the hands of a wrathful God and to be on the other side of it. Not not on the side that we are, where we're covered with the blood of Christ, but we're... Hebrews 10.31. 10.31? Wait, no, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Just look at that up. Maybe that's what you're talking about. Yes. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, to fall into his hands in the wrong side. Mm. It's like, yeah. I encourage everyone to read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It, it, it's Have you ever read that? No. No. I think I have a copy of it somewhere, but it is... Uh, it, it'll make you passionate about evangelism and about sharing the gospel, I think. Hmm. It, it's, it's you know, Jonathan Edwards, so it's old. It, it's going to have some language that's outdated and not language older we English. use today, older English. But the, the legend goes that he legitimately just stood up in front of a crowd and just in a very monotone and just uninteresting, quote unquote, way, read this sermon that he wrote. And countless people came to Christ. And the Holy Spirit just moved hmm. because his words were so powerful and profound. needed at that time and profound. God led. <laughs> I'm just going to read just a couple of passages from it real quick, just to give you a little. He starts with Deuteronomy 32, 35, their foot shall slide in due time. Hmm. Deuteronomy 32, 35. In this verse is threatened the vengeance of God on the wicked, unbelieving Israelites that were God that were God's visible people and live under means of grace. And that, notwithstanding all God's wonderful works that he had wrought towards that people, yet remained, as is expressed in verse 28, void of counsel, having no understanding in them. And that under all the cultivations of heaven brought forth bitter and poisonous fruit, as in the two verses preceding next. He just, he goes, I mean, it's a tough sermon to listen to, especially especially when you know unbelievers. You have unbelievers in your family, you have friends that are unbelievers. It's a a really tough sermon to get through, and it's going to hopefully motivate you. So mm. highly recommend. I think you can get a copy of it for like four or five bucks online somewhere because okay. it, it's a real small, thin book. Uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. I'm going to write that down. It is. It's good. It is, I think, the original or maybe the start of the Hellfire Brimstone movement, but in a more positive way because he concludes, of course, like Paul does a lot, but found God. for free. Carter found it for free. Yeah, it for free. <laughs> so... But on the first page, there's already a typo, so I don't know how much I trust this. You know, he talks about that verse, the f- their foot shall slide in due times, implies that they're always that we're always exposed to destruction, and one stands or walks in slippery places is always exposed to fall. It implies that we are always exposed to sudden, unexpected destruction, as that he walks in slippery places is every moment liable to fall. He cannot foresee one moment whether he shall stand or fall. Um, it, it's... And the reason they're not falling already and don't fall out is only that God's appointed time has not come. Mm. And so it, it is. It, it's just, I think he uses the, re- the analogy of a spider web and that how it's real thin and, and just real easy to, f- you know, fall off the spider web. Mm. But underneath the spider web is hell. Oh, gosh. Wow. It's an intense, yeah. intense huh. uh, sermon. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. So. My dog is going nuts outside. <laughs> he is so angry he's not in here. And my Dexter's neighbors are probably not happy that he's out there. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> just having fun. Just probably laying down. He's actually... So what he'll do, he'll sit at the top at of the, the ramp of yeah. the deck and just, just survey the land. This is it's long oh enough. My. If it's long enough, he lays down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything the light touches. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was waiting for that. All right. So, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son... Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. 
So, as enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of Jesus. And now that we are reconciled to God, we are saved by his life. I I took that, and I look at that as basically a two-prong. So, uh, number one, to the point, because he came back from the dead, yep. we are alive as well. Because he lives, we're saved. But also number two, through his death, reconciliation with God, and now we are saved through his life on earth. His teachings, the Logos, the bread of life. I mean, uh, as... Um, Christ was talking to his disciples when he says, I am the bread of life. Uh, in Hebrew, he is talking about the, le, it is, I believe it's the lechem oni. Basically, he, he's God. You know, he is the bread. And although, yeah, we are saved because now he is alive again. He is alive in heaven. But we're also saved through his life on earth, his, his teachings. Scripture, I mean, the Logos is the breathed out word of God, which is Jesus. So we're we're saved in both aspects of that because we're able to go back and read his teachings and learn from them. In Hebrews one one, in the past, um, he spoke to us through the prophets, but now in these later days, he speaks to us through his son, which we learn that through the Bible. So uh, for me, that was that two pronged side of it. So and leading into that verse eleven, we rejoice. Right. We rejoice. More than that, we also rejoice in God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. And we rejoice because we know we are going to be saved from that coming judgment. It's that hope. Yeah. We have that hope, the assurance we are going to escape that judgment. Yeah. Or not escape, because we didn't escape it. He gave it to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When he looks at us, (laughs) those of us who are in Christ, those of us who are washed in in the blood of the Lamb, like the old song says, he looks at us as, as perfect. He sees us as clean, pure, white as snow. Yeah. Mind-blowing, because we are not <laughs> even close. Yeah, not even close. Especially Carter. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> Especially me. Wow. Especially Austin. <laughs> I, all of us are included. <laughs> I just wanted to hear your voice, that's all. I was going to say, that was pretty jerk move. Love you, Carter. <laughs> you should just cut all that out. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> just don't make jokes ever <laughs> but but it was it, it's it's mind-blowing that when he looks at me in my i know me i know what i'm capable of i know my sin my struggle he looks at me and says you're you're righteous mm-hmm. because of my son you're righteous that it's it's mind-blowing yeah doesn't again, mean there won't be consequences for what we do especially here on earth and and i think and we maybe we talk about this at some point you know the our reward in heaven is is we all get rewarded but like you know, I think the more the more work you do for Christ, the more you do, the, the bigger your reward yeah. when you're there. Yeah, that's biblical. And yeah, we can go through that. So, like, there, there are actions here, our sin here will affect us there on some level, just with our reward. Which, by the way, that I, if I'm reading things correctly, we give right back to Christ, mm-hmm. lay it at his feet, and immediately give it back. Yeah. But we're clean. We're, we're righteous yeah. in God's eyes because of his blood. And that just hard to fathom. And again, it, because of his blood, looking back at the Old Testament, what what does righteousness come from? How do we become righteous? Because again, we're called to be righteous. Abraham, it was counted to him as righteousness because he believed God. So as we believe God, we believe in God, we believe in his son. As he is the way, the truth, and the life, as we believe in Christ, we are made righteous. And again, it's hard to think that way. Like, what? Well, I don't want to be righteous. No, 
you have to be. You are called to be. We need to be. As as the same way of being holy, we are called to be holy. So it and for me that was that was uh, more so a mental block. You know that thought of well to be holy. Well, I don't want to be you know holier than thou. I don't want to be self righteous. It's like well yeah there there's a point to that side of being that Pharisee of having these lengthy long beautiful prayers just in front of people versus how are you praying in front of God. But we're called to be righteous. We're called to be holy. So having that in your mind. So this next section, 12 through the end of the chapter, 21, it can be a little convoluted, can be can seem a little wordy. I think verse 12 and verse 18 are basically the same thing, and verses 13 through 17 are explaining verse 12, and then he just repeats and and, and concludes that little subsection. It's like a math with verse problem 18. with Paul. Yeah. This plus this plus this equals this, but because of this and this and this, it also equals this and yeah. 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 Well, it... it um, in the middle of writing papers for, for my master's degree. And, you know, one of the things they emphasize is you have an introduction that has a thesis statement, you write the body of your paper, and then you have a conclusion that restates your thesis statement. And I think that's what Paul is doing in 12 through 18. He's got the thesis statement in 12, 13 through 17, he's explaining it and, and fleshing it out. Verse 18, he restates it. Hmm. So I think that's a cool way to kind of break Straight it down so you can maybe understand it a little better. And, and it maybe makes more sense to why things kind of repeat. So let's just read 12 through 18 again, and then we'll kind of dive into it. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Moses to Adam, even over those who were sinning, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness led to the justification of life for all men. It's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. <clears throat> but to simplify, yeah. and again, not to simplify his words, but through Adam came death. Through Adam's sin, we were all sinful as we were born into this world for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So through Adam is death. That's verse 12. That's verse 12. In a nutshell. It's it's um, sin came into the world through through Adam. Death came into the world through the, because of that sin. And because of Adam's sin, death has spread to all men. Right. So that is, I mean, that, that's what verse 12 and, is. And that was verse 12 is. beginning of creation yep. all the way to Jesus. And then at Jesus, it restarts. Jesus is the second Adam, the perfect Adam. What Adam was supposed to be. Was supposed to be, yeah. yeah. Um, not to go all the way there, but my the Lord, Lord of the Rings reference. When Gandalf comes back as Gandalf the White, and Gandalf, where they're like asking if he was Sauron, he's like, well, no, I'm, or Sar- Saruman. No, I'm what Saruman sh- should have been. Just throw that out there for Lord of, <laughs> Lord of the Rings fans. Him. <laughs> anyway, Lori will be happy with Lori. Yeah, there you yeah. go. If she listens, I'm just kind of like, yeah. That's I don't know what that is. So Jesus came into the world, 
life restarted after Jesus. So therefore, life after Jesus, after we've accepted him, is eternal life. So it, it's, I like what Paul does here. He says, one sin caused death for all. Yeah. One sin. But because God is so much more powerful than our sin and than our own ignorance, our own stupidity, I'm reading a little bit into it, but, you know, because God is more Makes powerful sense. than that, one life, one perfect life, one sinless life, one death, and one resurrection counteracted all that sin. Not just the one sin, it counteracted all the sin for those who believe. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's verse 17. For if because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hope. That should give you yeah. an immense amount of hope. His his death, his blood, the atonement that that brought about is enough to cover the sin of all mankind. Now, we can get into that, and, and, and I think it's good to even kind of go into verse 18, life for all men. Does that mean at this point everyone ends up in heaven? Does it mean that this universalism that, hey, love wins in the end? Is that what he's saying here? I, I, I don't think so. Um, I don't see any indication that he's meaning all men are now saved and justified because of the blood. Right. Well, no one that says it leads. It leads to yeah. justification and mm-hmm. life for all men. But, I mean, and, and it says throughout the scripture that he desires everyone to be saved. But just because he desires, again, free will, not everyone will choose it. Yeah. And it, it, it will lead to the justification and life for all men, but not all men will it choose is, it. It is powerful enough to save the, save the world. But Everybody. It's not, it doesn't. But it doesn't. <laughs> because yeah. th- those, there are people who were destined for wrath. People who were, you know, agents of, agents of chaos. That I might, know. That might be. That's um, what, yeah, well, yeah, I, well it, it's, in, it's in scripture. I agree. Yeah. It's in there. But that's the thing. It's like. It's in there. We might need to dive into that one. Oh, boy. Well, I mean. <laughs> but no. It, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, we're, we'll get into it when, it when we get to that part in Romans, because it, it does, you know. That that phrase destined for wrath is in scripture. Yeah. And we have to tackle it. We have to deal with it. And, and I think once we get there, we'll talk about this, of course, before we record, but I think we'll tackle it from all angles and we'll yes. we'll look at it from all perspectives because that's a tough passage mm-hmm. for anyone to wrestle with, no matter what side of that no matter how you feel about it. It's that's one we need to wrestle with. But I'm trying to stop myself. I, it's, I know. It's yeah, a preview okay. into what's coming. <laughs> but um but it is. It it's it's powerful enough, and and the fact that it's powerful enough to, to wash over the sin of one person is is astounding. But the fact that it is powerful enough to wash over the sins of all mankind, those of us who are in who believe in Christ and who who choose to follow His teachings and follow His His plan of salvation, is astounding. Well, and and so First Timothy two four it says God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires that. He desires everyone to be saved because everyone was made in the image of God. And looking at it that way, why would he not? But again, he has given us that choice to to choose that or not. But yeah, we'll we'll get into that at a different time. Anyway. So, and and, and Paul just spends, and we'll kind of get close to wrapping up here. Paul spends the rest of the chapter, you know, he, he talks about one man's disobedience led to all mankind being sinful. One man's obedience led to the salvation of those who believe. It, it's, again, just contrasting Adam with Jesus, how the, the perfect Adam. Yeah. 
and, and what Adam was supposed to be, that perfect, sinless, spotless lamb. And again, we were supposed to have eternal life from the beginning. Yeah. We were supposed to be in the presence of God, walking with God, as Adam and Eve were. But because they sinned, we were no longer able to do that. Right. So now we have to wait for that until we get to heaven, which stinks, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but again, we're going to look back and that suffering that we've gone through and the, the trials and tribulations we've gone through are going to be worth it. Yes. It, it's going to make the reward that much sweeter. Yeah. That's all I got. Got anything else? So, I, I hope this Romans 5 was an encouraging passage. Uh, we touched on a lot of subjects and, and really, again, hitting home just the hope that we have moving forward. Because, again, I think that's what Romans 5 was about. That's what a lot of Romans is about, is hope and knowing that this suffering and the things we're facing and, and, and whatnot are, are temporary. Yeah. And as we get into the later books of, of Romans, he really dives into theology and dives into the meat of what we believe and why we believe it. And that's I'm excited to get there. We'll, we'll get there soon. Because I think, like I said, it was the first eight eight chapters are just kind of the salvation and the gospel. Yeah. And then the last <laughs> half of the book is diving into theology and diving into things that are can be controversial today and things that, that uh, get people in trouble at times when you start believing. But we are committed to attacking these issues and attacking these subjects with as much humility and grace as possible yeah. and attacking it from all sides. I mean, we'll have our opinions and we'll have kind of how we feel like these should be interpreted, but, and you will too. Yeah. And, uh, we'll well, get some, and again, you, you know, yeah. Going secondary these, issues. Yeah. Going through these chapters, not just con- controversial topics with unbelievers, but with believers as well. And right. again, coming at this as we know, we don't know everything. We don't, um, <laughs> we're young, but looking at what scripture says, and again, not relying on our own understanding and realizing we're in constant prayer, especially every time we start asking God that he would provide us with his wisdom, show us his understanding, not our own. And we also don't just read it and go with it. We we research, we, we listen to commentaries, we listen to sermons, we listen to things to to help us with that. And... So it's not just, you know, we're reading this and winging it. Right. So have some grace with us, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We will say things in the coming weeks that you won't agree with, and and it's going to be okay. Yeah. We we got this. Be all right. We can have a conversation about it. Yeah. Well, guys, what's uh, what's this week look like for everybody? Anything exciting going on? Are we... No? Nothing nothing happening? I got a long fall break. I got one more week off. Oh, do you? Okay. I do. Taking some FMLA. Nice. And uh, just kind of helping out around the house and gearing up. Carter and I, Carter and, I and, and a few of our friends get to go see uh, Need to Breathe this, oh, week. this week. So yeah. that's going to be pretty cool. <laughs> it's funny. I, I'm i going to, you know, rag on Carter for a second because I like to do that. I, I know. It's fun. But you do it to me all the time. <laughs> no, I just didn't know what rag meant at the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. So, uh my girlfriend texted me and said, hey, I th- I'm thinking about going to the show. I'm looking at tickets. And I'm like, well, I started looking at tickets, too, while I was at work. I was like, well, there's a there's a couple seats, like, in the same row, but just on the other side of us. Like, you could sit there. We're kind of sitting next to each other, but there's an aisle between us. It'd be kind of cool. And she's like, yeah, but that's expensive. And I'm like, yeah, they're a little high. And I kind of start looking. And I look, and there is, like, this whole – the third row of, of the venue was pretty much open. And I'm like, you know, what I could do – is I, I, I've always said with, with Need to Breathe, I've always ended up in the balcony or I end up kind of far away. I never have been super up close to this to, to see him. 
And so uh, I was like, you know, I could just upgrade to VIP tickets and then just give them my old ones, which are still great seats, only like 15 rows back. Like, they're still right there in the center. But like, I could go sit in the third row. And so I text Carter. I said, hey, I just bought tickets to the third row. And he's he like made fun of me. He made fun of me. He was like, what would you call me? I need to breathe simp. Yeah, I need to breathe simp. He, he totally just... And I'm, I'm like... He's going to the show with me. He's going to be sitting in the third row benefiting from these amazing I seats. Go with him, okay? <laughs> and he's just like, oh, you're dumb. <laughs> so I, mean, I said, I, I said, don't I'm a, care where I sit. <laughs> well, I, I sat back. I said, I put in quotes, I said, gee, thanks, Brad. Those seats sound great, Brad. This is going to be awesome, Brad. <laughs> so I copied and pasted it, and I didn't even take out the quotation marks. Yeah, he just copied and pasted my text and sent it back to me. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Ah, oh, this this guy. It's great. But no, we get to go see Need to Breathe from the third row, right in the just like dead center, just right there. It's fine. Grab you bear. Guys I could have fun. Grab fine. bear's ankle if I wanted to. Go have fun. It's cool. Whatever. I wouldn't. You're three rows back. I, I could get up there. I could get up there and grab his ankle if I needed to. Faster <laughs> than fifteen. So anyway, so it's gonna be a good week, and we're excited to. Come back and record again. We'll, yeah. like I said, hopefully get back to some of our more normal uh, formats and stuff here soon. But we got, I got to talk to Austin about that first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What am I missing? <laughs> no, nothing. Just get back to our format that we used to have, you know, with the two episodes. and Oh, yeah. All yeah. that. Kind of get back into that because I enjoyed that. Yeah. But anyway, man, I've had people ask me, hey, are you going to go back to that? So, anyway. <clears throat> so, but... Guys, I hope you all enjoyed this week. Read Romans 6 this week after you finish Romans 5. Read Romans 6 in preparation for the next one. And we'll dive back in next week. And in the meantime, guys... Stay rooted. Stay rooted. San Diego. (laughs) Stay rooted, San Diego. Lanesville. Gordon. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogospod.